I'm just going to take about three minutes. Just, I just one message that has been on my mind and my heart is hearing God and obedience. Listen to God, to His voice. And for some reason, Michelle and I, we've been praying that that we wouldn't go anywhere, we wouldn't buy anything, we wouldn't do anything until we know it's God. How many times have we stepped out, out of the will of God, and gone too fast, and went on our own ambition, and got involved even with someone that we shouldn't have got involved with? A relationship, or bought something, or did something, and you winded up in a mess. When I was listening to God's, uh, Solomon's prayer, talking to God, he says, Lord, give your servant a listening ear. A listening ear. And that's a strong prayer. And I believe the Holy Spirit, from the just the little common man, to the President of the United States, Trump, that God wants to give him a listening ear. Don't say anything, don't do anything until you hear from me. How much better off will the body of Christ would be? How much better off will we be if we just hear from God before we act? Before we step out? There are some things that Michelle and I are praying, even right now, coming to church. I said, Lord, Show us how to do it. Show us what to do and show us when to do it. So you can do the right thing at the wrong time. You can say the right thing at the wrong time also. Might get popped over the head. But if we do it in God's timing, under God's word, and we're obedient, we will go a long way. And it will bless the body of Christ. Amen. Amen. Brother Will, thank you. Bless you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Yeah, I saw something this morning. You know how on your Facebook post it pops up memories of something you posted last year or 10 years ago, whatever. Mine this morning said, <coughs> I was quoting C.S. Lewis. He said once, I'll paraphrase, he said, there's, there's two kinds of Christians. Those that say, Father, thy will be done, not mine. Thy will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. And then there's those who say, well, okay, then have it your way, God. <laughs> Turn to Daniel chapter 10. I'm trying not to go backwards today because I want to go back and lay so much groundwork, but I feel like you have so much already and I'm just counting on the Holy Spirit to remind you of everything that Jesus has said to us. And to open our hearts and minds to hear. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. Thank you for this place that you've given us to come and to worship you, your children, to come in here to learn, to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, to celebrate you, to praise you, Lord, to be helped, healed, empowered, loved, and prospered by you through salvation in Jesus Christ. And to go and help others with that same help we have received. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Maybe I'll just lay a little bit of groundwork. (laughs) You know, the... The Bible talks, Paul, Paul talks about the third heaven in a place. You know what I'm talking about? So there's a place where they talk about the third heaven in the Bible, even in the Old Testament. And in the beginning, God created the heavens. You ever notice it's plural? Amen. And so, 
I'm just going to put it out there. I'm not going to teach it because if I do, that'll be the message. <laughs> but the 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 heavens that we are real, the heaven that we are aware of is what we can see. This this atmosphere and the stars, the moon and the sky. Amen. And then there's a third heaven, and I I believe that paradise where the people of God. They were before us who don't didn't have what we have. They were longing for what we have with the Holy Spirit and with salvation in Christ to see the Messiah. But they died believing. They went into that paradise. But it wasn't in the presence of God. It was down below the earth where hell is, except they were separated by a great chasm. I can prove all this up by scripture. And you look at the rich man, the rich man and Lazarus and, and the separation. And he's called out to Abraham for Lazarus to go dip his finger in the water and put it on his tongue. You know. But when Jesus entered into heaven, into the real tabernacle, not the one that was created on here on earth to look like the one, an image of it. He put his blood on that altar and made the way for us. Amen. So he went. Now I believe paradise is there in the presence of God. Be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Amen. Amen. So if there's a first and a third heaven, where's the second? I believe that's where Satan and his kingdom are shut up. Now, I'm going into this because I want you to I want to talk to you today as, as God's representatives here in the earth, which is what we are. There's millions of baby Christians, infant toddlers who are still on the milk. But we try to get to the meat. Amen. So that we can not only be helped, healed everywhere we hurt, empowered by the promises and provision of God. Loved and know we're loved and walk in that strength and victory and prospered. But having received it ourselves, we get past the milk stage and go to the meat where we can go out and provide that same help to a sick and dying and hurting world. Amen. Amen. So as Christ's representatives in the world, we're called to an all-out spiritual war against Satan and the kingdom of Satan. Amen. Amen. And I want to tell you this. Don't ever, don't ever think that I'm boasting or bragging on Satan. I'm not. I'm providing intel here, okay? His kingdom is very organized. And it's run by beings without bodies, demonic Fallen angels. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 10. And I, I don't want to go here for long either. I just want to show you where it's at. This is one of the scriptures that we can, or passages of scripture too from Daniel that we can use to show that there is time in the spiritual realm. Now, it may not be just like it is here, but there is time in the spiritual realm. Amen. So anyway, in this passage of scripture, Daniel is... He has a heavy heart. He's praying. Uh, Lord, help me summarize this quickly. He's praying about the future of Israel, whom he loves. He, he's asking God about the future of Israel. And he fasts and prays for 21 days, for three weeks. <clears throat> At the end of that time, and that's in the second verse uh, of chapter 10. And then go down to the 10th verse. And after this time, an angel came and spoke to him and gave him some information. And we're not going to go into that prophecy. It was about future events. It has nothing to do with today's message. But it says, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the day, the first day that you 
set your heart to understand and humble yourself before God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But Michael, one of the chief princes, came to me, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. And again, we're not going to talk about that. The point here is that Daniel... When he prayed, first of all, his prayers set all of heaven in motion. You see that? From the moment he prayed, God sent the response. But it took three weeks for the angel to get there because he was opposed in the heavenlies by satanic angels. This one was called the Prince of Persia. The, the leader of that group, because he said he was left there with the kings of Persia. So there was a there was a battle that ensued. And it was a rough one, apparently, because Michael, a great archangel, an anointed cherub, one of the leaders of God's army under Jesus, came to help him. A mighty warring angel, and uh, you know who's going to win that fight. Oh, amen. <laughs> and he did, but it took three weeks for him to get through. So the battle between angels, both godly angels and demonic or fallen angels, because remember when Satan fell, one third of the angels went with him. <clears throat> and they met and they opposed each other in that battle. Satan's purpose, and I believe that had Daniel stopped praying, it may have had a great effect on that battle. There may not have been the breakthrough, to be honest. I've heard people say, and this isn't from the Bible, but testimony after testimonies of people who have actually uh, had visions or have been called up to heaven to see God and things like that. And they tell stories about things that God has shown them, about, about prayers that were being answered and the angels were on their way and they went back having not delivered the requested blessing because the people... After a while, you know what the joke I always say, and I don't mean it in a joking way because it's very sad, but a lot of Christians, if, they, if God hasn't given them a tangible sign of, uh, of a positive answer by the time they get up off their knees praying, they just say, well, I guess he's going to go answer my prayer. I'll go ahead and take care of this on my own. You don't get many miracles that way. I don't believe you have to stay down on your knees and fast and pray. I, I'm all for those things. Hey, that's, that's what you want to do. And fasting is good. It's not going to make God love you more. It'll make you hear Him better. It'll make you love Him more. Same as coming to church. He's not grading you on attendance. He's not going to love you any less or any more. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than, than uh, standing in a garage makes you a car. Right? But if you're a car, the best place and safest place for you is in that garage. And the same goes for Christians. You need to be in church. For it's sake not the assembling of thyselves together as some have done and gone shipwreck. You get offended, just go on down the street to the next church, and then they go to the next church and you see the church hoppers problem is God wanted you to have your problems in the church if you're going to have them. That's how those rocks that David got to hit Goliath with got so smooth. They were in the water was rushing over them and they were bumping together. Amen. This is the best place to work out your differences in a godly fashion. <laughs> you have friends here who will say, oh I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that happened to you. Let's pray. Now let's pray for that other person.
What's God say? Let's stand on this. You see, that's a real friend. The others may have well-meaning, the ones you call that just will agree with you all the time. (laughs) That's not really your friend. Satan's purpose is to oppose God's plans. God's purposes and God's people in the earth. Amen. So, when we talk about prayer, we're not talking about just a list or a petition of complaints or a wish list or something like that. It's much more important than that. What it is, is the believer is involving themselves in a spiritual conflict between earth and heaven. And it involves both men and angels. When you see it that way, you'll see your prayers differently. Remember the woman I told you about who prayed for her cousin, or or I think it was a cousin who was in Vietnam, Mr. Andy, and, and she was wakened by the Lord in the middle of the night, and she was told to pray and she would just step she would say run 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 lay down hide and and so forth and so on it went on for a while and then she just rested and 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 she got a letter from that cousin who she hadn't heard from in a while uh a little while later and he told he described the whole event of how his platoon was wiped out and he was the only one left and he and he heard the voice of uh, i think he said it was an angel or god or somebody he he didn't know but they was they told him to run 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 Hide, lay down, and every time he did, they would run past him, you see, and it and it kept him safe. You have that same authority, you see. If you're listening to God, if you're listening to God, He wants to use you in mighty ways. He wants to show you wonderful things that you don't know. So it says in Jeremiah chapter 29. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. Then you will listen, you will come and pray to me. And I will hear you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. See, we don't keep reading sometimes. (laughs) He didn't say, I'll, and then I'll love you and accept you if you seek me with your whole heart. No. That's not what it is. He already loves you and accepts you because you accepted his son, Jesus Christ. There's, that's important. It's important that we know that and believe it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I have to hurry because there's a few scriptures I want to talk about. And... Uh, And then it always ends well. Amen. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses three through five. And I'll just go ahead and read it. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, not carnal, you see, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ or to the obedience of Christ. Amen. Do you see that? See how wonderful that is? So the weapons, first thing he talked about, what are the weapons? When I first really got saved... I always say that to try to rub people wrong because it's okay if you question or doubt your salvation once in a while. Don't doubt God's love and goodness, but I can tell you I have a friend that one time this guy came up to me and said, Pastor, you made me doubt my salvation today. He said, good. Because the Bible says examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith. If we would correct ourselves, he won't have to. You see what I'm saying? So, amen. 
So the weapons of our warfare are not natural. But when I got really saved, I went to the Lord and I, I started finding these things out. I found out it was the, the enemy, the devil, who had been lying to me all this time. And I, while I took responsibility for my life, I, I knew he was to blame. Not only for me, but for my ancestors, my relatives, almost everybody. I knew everything. The whole world was going to hell, and I figured out who was responsible for it. And I said, Lord, I want to fight him. I want to be on your army. I want to, whatever I got, well, sign me up. And he said, okay. Because, see, my way of fighting (laughs) was always very different than his. He said, you have to forget everything you think you know. You have to kenos or empty out. Because all the weapons, the only weapons that I was aware of, I wasn't able to use anymore. And so he says, I have to teach you. I have to teach you the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural. They're not physical. And your enemies are not the people that you think are your enemies. The the best thing that can happen to your worst enemy is that I get a hold of him and change his heart. And if people really knew what hell was like, they would never tell anyone to go there. They would never hope for anyone's demise. They would hope that their hearts would be changed and they would receive the salvation, the same salvation you've received, son. Okay, that sounds right. Amen. Amen. But we do have weapons. We're not going to get to talk about those a lot today, but the weapons of our warfare are spiritual, and they're useful in pulling down the strongholds that Paul talks about here, the fortresses that are spiritual in nature. So since we're talking about the strongholds and the fortresses, let's talk about the battlefield or the battleground. Where is the battle fought? Where? Paul's words. Useful in pulling down and... and, I had Bibles spread out all over my bed, my office, my downstairs. My poor wife, she never complains to me. And after a while, I start feeling so guilty, I clean it all up. Say, I'm sorry, honey. And she goes, that's okay. (laughs) Friday night, 2.30 in the morning, I had... Harper was spending the night, so they were in the guest bedroom. But I had my... I I was up in the bed, and I was just like... Lord was telling me stuff. I was like, just. But anyway, you put all these different translations together. So we're talking about Paul's words about imaginations, reasonings, speculations, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. Pulling down all of these things that come against the knowledge and the truth of Jesus Christ, of this word, because the veracity of this word has to be settled in your heart and mind. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scriptures God breathed. It's not an old book written by a white man about God. The Holy Spirit wrote this book and he used a lot of different people to do it. Like 50 <laughs> over the course of many, many years, and they did not disagree. This book is divine. It's alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Paul says it's even able, even able. That's like you're, you're describing something really great. Like it's really like, can you believe it can even do this? Even dividing the spirit and the soul. Why? Because we get strongholds in our minds, vain imaginations, and sometimes it's hard for us to tell the difference in what's spiritual and what's carnal because our soulish realm has been programmed by the world and it needs a reboot. 
The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not make me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes you need a refresh. Based on all those things, imaginations, reasoning, speculations, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. Now, where is the battlefield? (laughs) Right between our ears. They all speak of the realm of the mind, don't they? It's imperative that we understand that the battleground is in the realm of the mind. And Satan is waging an all-out war to captivate the minds of the human race. And it's our responsibility. Our responsibility. Have I ever told you God needs you? (laughs) Phil, it's hard to say that. Well, you need to say it. You need to stand in that mirror like I did yesterday. William, God loves you. You are the righteousness of God. Yes, you are in Christ Jesus. Have you ever had that argument with yourself in the mirror? You need to. You need to convince you. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But it's our responsibility as God's representatives to break down these strongholds and fortresses and to liberate the minds of men and women and then in turn to bring them what? Into the obedience of Christ. Isn't that what Paul's saying here? What are the strongholds? Prejudices? Preconceptions? Satan builds them in our minds. Strongholds, barriers, obstacles for us to overcome, to hinder us in our Christian life and walk. A prejudice is just being down on what you're not up on. Huh? <laughs> if I didn't say it, if it wasn't my idea, and I don't know anything about it, then it's bad. I'll be scared of it. I'll be very wary of it. It's dangerous. <laughs> you see? And religious people might be the worst. Sometimes. They can be very suspicious. But that's what prejudice is. Don't confuse me with the facts my mind's already made up. You see? I'm talking about the facts of God's Word, the truth. The facts in a scientific world are subject to change, aren't they? Interesting fact. (laughs) That's a fact. Prejudice is when a mind's person's already made up in advance. No amount of facts, no amount of truth, or evidence, or reason can change them. Why am I telling you this? Because only spiritual weapons can bring down these strongholds. People are often dominated and driven by their own preconceptions to their own destruction. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is destruction. Death. That's what the Bible says. I had to deal with this. I, I am not I am not one for throwing people away. I encourage people, I don't care what it is, you can walk away. If you don't feel safe, if there's no trust there, you can put a boundary wall temporarily, but you better have your heart pure. It better not be to punish that person. It better be because you can't trust them. Like I said, there's some people you might know that they, they, they can't even have your address. <laughs> Just, <laughs> you, you know, uh-uh. Not till you clean up your act, buddy. You know, that's just protecting your own. But you need to be praying for that person. You need to be praying for God to restore that relationship. 
If you're not, then you got to examine your heart. You know what I'm saying? But I had somebody, a minister, recently, who has harassed and tormented me for over a decade. And I love them because they were a, a big part of my life, a moment in my life, you see. And they helped me in, when I was brand new in the faith. They did a lot of other things, but I don't focus on those. Why? Because when you forgive someone, and I hope you're teaching your children this, or your grandchildren or whatever, when you teach them to forgive and to forgive quickly, and then when they forgive, you tell them, now don't you ever bring that up to that person again, or about that person. Otherwise, it's not real forgiveness, you see. Nevertheless, this person was... Cursing me, basically. And has some very, very strange ideas. And has, I believe, been corrupted by the enemy in their mind. To some very weird things. And I think all that comes through bitterness. You see, bitterness and unforgiveness are open door into your life for Satan. He's organized. He's smart. And I'm not bragging on him. I'm trying to tell you to prepare you that he has an organized kingdom and they're out. You know, there are, there are these people that you go and they used to have them on TV. I won't name names, but there was a couple of them and they seemed very nice people. And they would talk to the dead, supposedly. And they would tell people all these things. And, this, and they did get to contact with this person and they'd tell, oh yeah, and they did this and that. They'd tell them all these facts to this person. Yes, yes, that's him, that's him. No, it's not. That's a familiar spirit. Someone who knew that person better than they did. Who watched them their whole life. A demonic fallen angel. A demon. And they're just baiting you in. Baiting you in. To get those legal open doors. God is a just God, you see. And Satan has certain legal rights at this time, for a time, in this realm. But if you know your rights and who you are, you can be safe. And no weapon formed against you will prosper. But every tongue rising up, what's the, what's the other part of that scripture? Every tongue rising up against you, you shall condemn. Somebody walks up to you, oh, you don't look, you look sick. I am not in Jesus' name. They may not, they might be the nicest person in the world, but Satan just tried to use that person to curse you. And if you accept it and agree to it, well, expect to get sick. That's all I can say. This is real, folk. And I don't want you focusing. I don't want you to see a demon on every doorknob. I don't want you to give the devil any due. Because he's he's a defeated foe. And I don't want you thinking about him all the time. I want you keeping your mind on the Lord. Because Isaiah 26.3, those who keep their mind on me, I'll keep them in perfect peace, says the Lord. Because they love me. Because they trust me. Trust in the Lord. Magnify the Lord. You show, when we magnify something in our mind, we're not making it bigger. When you put a magnifying glass, are you making that thing bigger? No. This, it looks bigger to you. It seems bigger to you. You can see it more clearly. That's what we're to do with the Lord, with Jesus, with His truth, with His promises regarding us. Because all 8,000 of them in here are yes and amen for believers. Jesus said, your traditions and doctrines of men or teachings of men have made the word of God of no effect. That's what he told those religious leaders of the day. All your junk is getting in the way of the truth. That's why, 
That's why I love to to laugh at myself. I I just love our church. I just because it's not normal. And if a religious person walks through that door, it just screws them all up. <laughs> well, this should be like this, and this should, you should do this, and they, okay, I got you. Well, praise the Lord. I love Jesus, and I'm teaching these folks to love Him too, and to know how loved they are by Him. There's power in that. You know that? People have mental prejudices and it drives people to their own demise. What else? What else? Religious cults? There's a lot of them. And in all fairness, basically everything except true believers in Jesus Christ is a cult. (laughs) Now, the world says that's hate talk and then that makes us a cult, you see. The problem is, you can't unscramble these eggs. I know him. Some of us just know him, don't we? <laughs> he is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life, and nobody's going to get to the Father except by through him. Amen. Amen. Good God, bad devil. Religious cults, political ideologies. One's pro-choice, one's pro-life. One's capitalist, one's a communist. One's a misogynist. And here's one you never hear of. The other's a misandrist. You know what misandry is? Same thing as misogyny except the opposite. Are there any women out there hating on men? That's misandry. But all you hear about is misogyny. (laughs) I would say there may be more misandry going on than misogyny. Just saying. But the thing is, we have the truth to wade through these strongholds and, and mindsets because we can tell by the Bible that God is a God of life. And that a baby is a baby in the womb from the time of conception. We know that John the Baptist was, was in his mother's womb, in Elizabeth's womb. And he jumped for joy when he heard the voice of Mary. So, that settles that. And on just that point alone, on the November election... It shouldn't even be a question. But Christians have strongholds in their minds because that's what they want. That's what they believe. It is not within man to direct his own steps. We are not supposed to try and figure it all out. That is the vain philosophy of man. And if you spend your life feeding off the trash heaps of the philosophy of man, you will die. And not only that, will you live in sin because of it, you'll cause others to do the same. And God help you. Racial prejudices. There are racial prejudices all over the world and they go in every direction. In God's eyes, it's bad no matter what. It's not just white against black. Again, just like I said, there's as many man-haters as there are women-haters out there. I don't have statistics for you. I'm just telling you, use your own common sense. But there's just as many haters from every racial group towards other racial groups and tribes and everything else all over the world. And there always has been. And it goes back to last week's message. What was the scripture in Jeremiah? The heart of man is not basically good. It's wicked and evil. Without Christ, 
Forget about it. That's why we don't just let children make their own decisions and do whatever they want to and not challenge Satan's claim on their life because you're given license to a rebel. Religious bigotry. Denominational bigotry. Huh? Even within denominations, Christians. That wasn't Jesus' prayer on that fateful night. Lord, let them be unified. The world will know that you're my true disciples by your love one for another. He's coming back for a bride, not a harem. We need to get it together. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Political bigotry. Political mindsets that overrule this for Christians? No. No. That's not what bearing your cross is. I had an aunt, or she was a, she's an ex-aunt. She was one of my uncle who passed away, one of his 11 wives. And she, she told me not too long ago, I posted something about the facts of the Bible and how that should influence Christians voting, you see. And she said, oh, your uncle would be turning over in his grave. So would your mom? I said, no. <laughs> First of all, even though we grew up in a, in a blue dog Democrat county in Galveston, everybody, and he was in a pipe, he was in a union, the pipe fitters local, 211, I think. Anyway, he ended up being a delegate to the Colorado Republican Convention one year, so she didn't know what she was talking about anyway. But, I, I said no. I said it, but it wouldn't matter to me what they said. Let God be true and every man a liar. I'm not trying to win people's favor. Everybody wants to be loved and everybody wants to be liked. But I ain't living for the likes. I want well done, good and faithful servant. If you never have any persecution in your life because of Jesus Christ, you might want to examine your Christian faith. If you never bump into the devil, it's because you travel in the same direction. So all these strongholds, what Satan builds in people's minds, religious bigotry, racial bigotry, denominational bigotry, political bigotry, it's not God doing that. Okay? This is one of the things that that minister told me. Couldn't get Christians to do what he needed done. So he using unbelievers. 2 Corinthians 4.4 We're almost right there. And then we're going to try to wrap things up right here. 2 Corinthians 4.4 In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Did you hear that? The God of this world. Who's he talking about? Little G. Satan. Because he is in charge of this world for a time. Until Jesus returns. But the God of this world. Uh, 
I wanted to point this out because Jesus gets a bad rap, doesn't he? Remember what he said in John 10.10? They were accusing him. They always accused him, didn't they? He said, wait a minute. I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly to the full. Satan, the thief, is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Good God, bad devil. He always had to set that straight. He said, and you know what else? You can say whatever you want to be about me, but don't question the spirit that I'm working under because you talk about the Holy Spirit, you're screwed, buddy. (laughs) I know you didn't say it like that, Lord. I'm sorry. I'll clean it up. (laughs) The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light. What I always tell you, Don't hate people because they don't know what you know or who you know. Talking about Jesus, they're in the dark. People in the dark cannot see. And now we see where the blame lies. He's blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. That's a stronghold. Something that blinds the minds of men. So that the light of the gospel cannot shine in. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. They need to hear this. You got to hear it. Why shouldn't they hear it? Amen. But listen. Usually when someone is in that condition. Look around. Look at some of the bizarre... I mean, you, you look around today and you, and you see stuff and you, you're really looking for the candid camera, aren't you? You're like, what? They, they cannot really be... That, no, no serious person would really think that or do that or believe that. They do. And now you see why. There's an all-out war against the minds of people by Satan. But when people are in that condition, it is usually worse than useless to try and argue with them. This is the point I'm trying to get to today. You will exhaust and frustrate yourself and you will make the matter worse. Does that mean you don't do anything? See, some Christians love hearing stuff like this. Hey, Jesus died for all your sins, past, present, future. Okay, great. That's all I didn't know. See you later. And then they go on about their life. No, it's not what that means. The grace of God is the power and provision of God for you to be and to do all that He's called you to be and to do. Not a license to sin. Amen. Amen. But the more you argue with a person like that, the more they will just restate their error and the more firmly entrenched or stuck in it they're going to be. So don't... When you see you're beating a dead bush or whatever you call it, beating a dead horse or whatever, stop doing it. Okay? When you realize you're not getting through and you're just creating anger and... Don't don't get in these arguments on Facebook with people and all that. There's one thing that never fails. What is that? Love. Love never fails. God is love. love. You say, well, man, (laughs) this, but you don't understand. This person is not lovely. Neither are we, really, in God's eyes. And you especially weren't when Jesus died for your sins before you ever created, did, uh, committed one of them. That's why the Christian life is not natural. It's supernatural. That's why Jesus said, why, are you just good to the people that are good to you? You're good to you and yours? and That's what the world does. You get no credit for that. Everybody does that. Let me add, let me see you add some super to your natural, his super to our natural, and go and love the people 
who are not lovely and not lovable and don't even want your love or attention or affection, but they need it. There's strongholds built up. Rejection issues, hurt, pains, all sorts of bitterness and unforgiveness and sort of and situations and circumstances have made them that way and Satan has erected fortified strongholds in their mind and we need to go and help them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Tell it, preacher. Oh, Lord. I just want to tell you one other thing. And here's how I'm going to end this. God has given us spiritual weapons. We'll talk more about that in the future. But just know that prayer is one of the most effective weapons that you have. The battlefield is being fought, waged in the mind of humanity. Satan has built strongholds and he loves to fortify them. And people with their words, they continue to give him open doors of opportunity to come in legally and fortify and to kill. You see? Most of us talk too much. Wherever there's an abundance of words, there is sin. We have thirty to 50,000 thoughts a day. When's the last time you slowed down and thought about what you're thinking about? <laughs> what do you see when you look at a situation? Do you despise the rose bush because of the thorns or do you celebrate it because of its beautiful roses? It's a choice, you know. The most important fact to assure victory in the spiritual warfare that we're in, look at Colossians 2. Y'all okay? Okay on time? All right, almost done. Colossians chapter 2, look at verses 13 through 15. It's after Philippians, all right? Colossians chapter 2. Here's some good news for you. 13 through 15. It's underlined and circled and brackets already. (laughs) Because I, I need to be reminded of all these wonderful things. And you, that's me, and that's you. And you who were dead in your trespasses, when we get ready to judge others, remember, you were once dead. Dead to God. You were once dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Made God made alive together with Him, Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses, all your sins have been forgiven by canceling... Now, this is important. This is where I'm going to finish up about... I have to talk to you about this for a minute. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross... And what did he do by doing that? Verse 15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. We just had a whole message that didn't record and I don't think this week did either. Sorry. But about triumph. How triumphant it is not trying to obtain the victory. It's the celebration, celebratory parade. After the victory. And that how through our praise and worship and our belief and faith in Christ, we are not just to be on the sidelines cheering Him along as He comes through the city with all of the enemies of God, those devils and demons and shackles and chains and totally disarmed. We're not just supposed to be on the sidelines cheering Him on. We're supposed to be on the chariot with Him. 
Christ has already defeated Satan. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. Christ has already defeated Satan and all of his evil demonic principalities and authorities and demons forever. Through the cross, his shed blood, the crucifixion and resurrection... Jesus has obtained the victory. So, you say, well, how does that affect me? And what's it got to do with the war that we are in now? And the world is being bombarded by... Because Satan's primary weapon against you and against me is guilt. He wants you to feel disqualified. He wants you to feel guilty. He wants you to feel condemned. Because if He can do that, you will not be effective for the kingdom of God. You will not. You will run from God and not to Him. That's why I don't preach to you about this sin in your life all the time, although I, I, I don't fail to mention it. But we're learning about the new man that we are in Christ. We need confidence in the victory that has been won on our behalf. Amen. Righteousness is the key to our victory. You have to know that you know that you know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When He sees you, He does not see fallen, corrupted sin nature of Adam anymore. He sees pure gold. He sees Jesus Christ when He looks at you. And He loves you. Revelation 12.10 I'll read it to you. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Satan's the accuser. He's the accuser because he wants us to feel guilty. And as long as he can make us feel guilty or condemned, we cannot defeat him. Because we won't try. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you do not resist, if you're a passive Christian, <laughs> oh well, God's, God's in control. Whatever happens, that's what God wanted. That's a demonic teaching on the sovereignty of God. Yes, God is sovereign. He is the Alpha and Omega. There is no one greater beginning and the end, the first and the last. But listen, we have a part to play. We have a choice. He gave us free will and that's the difference. Everything, whatever happened, that's what God meant. Okay, that you're going to go tell that person in the crack house downtown, oh, this is where God has you right now. The prostitute on the street, The children in bondage to human trafficking and slavery. Today in this world, more slaves than ever existed in actual slavery in this nation right now. God do that to them? No, He did not. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly and to the full. Satan came to steal, kill, and destroy. God loves to retrieve stolen children. Yes. 
Colossians 2.13. I have 45 more seconds. I just want to give you these scriptures that, that they just they just confirm everything, okay? Colossians 2, 13 and 14. Thirteen. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. So He forgave all of our sin without compromising His own justice. How did God do that? By punishing Jesus Christ in our place. Amen? Amen. God is a just God, but He's also merciful and loving. So His heart, He had a problem. God had a problem. He wanted to forgive and to love and to bring you in and into the family, but because of his justice, he's perfect and pure and holy. He had a problem. The punishment for sin is death. If you try to be justified by your own goodness, your own righteousness, and fail at just one point of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing, and the only punishment there is is death. Jesus took that for us on the cross. And look at verse 14 again. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over triumphing over them in him. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Listen, the future sin dealt with. Past sin dealt with. And the way he did it, he he dealt with with the past sin on the cross by His blood, the future sin, how did He deal with that? He took away the law, the written code, nailing it to the cross, and that's what Satan uses to accuse you with. This is what Satan doesn't want you to know. He'll do anything from keeping you to keep you from hearing this and believing it and receiving it into your heart and mind. Jesus canceled out the written code. It didn't mean that he canceled out the law as part of the Bible or part of the history of God's people, but he canceled it out as far as there being anything for you to be accused with. In other words, The written code is no longer, or the law is no longer the means used to achieve righteousness with God. Now it's by faith. Okay? Faith. Not the law. Don't hang the Ten Commandments up in your living room. If you want to, you can. We're free. Do whatever we want. When I see the Ten Commandments, I say, Whew, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Because you've broken some of them. Probably even the three you know. <laughs> Two witnesses. Romans ten fourteen. And we're going to pray. Romans 10.4, I mean. 10.4, good buddy. That's what I remember. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For righteousness. The end of the law for righteousness. In other words, the end of the law... As for the law to be a means to achieve righteousness with God, a right standing with God. Jesus is the end of that. Now we just place our faith in Him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake He made Him Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. 
Amen. You were made righteous. God doesn't just fix you up. Christianity is not about behavior modification. He don't just patch up the old rebel and send you on your way. You were crucified with Christ and you were created, reborn, created righteous and holy in His sight. Working out the victory of the cross through us, through 2 Corinthians 2.14, Matthew 28.18-20, Jesus won the victory for us. Matthew 28, that by the way, that's the Great Commission. And I'm just not I'm just gonna end here. But what he's saying is, I won the victory through the cross. Jesus didn't win that victory for himself. He defeated Satan when he came out of the desert to begin his ministry with the word of God. On the cross, that time he defeated Satan for you and for me. And he's saying, now therefore, because I have worked out the victory for you and for all the world who will believe and receive, now you go forth into all the world and preach the gospel. You go give them this good news. And let them be helped the same way you've been helped. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for your precious truth. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we have obtained the victory in him. We place our trust in you, Lord. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. And every tongue rising up against us, we shall condemn. Because this is the inheritance of the children of God. Because we love you. We put our trust in you. Thank you for loving us. And for growing us up in our salvation so that we can be useful in these last days to help a sick and dying world to come to the knowledge of the truth and to know you and to love you and to be loved by you. In Jesus' name, amen.